0: The network for the AV industry.
1: What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This.
0: This. This This is is AV
2: Nation. Nation.
0: This is AV Nation. This is is EdTech, episode 21, recorded Tuesday, October 22nd, 2013. There needs to be a reason to touch. This is EdTech, the education market-focused AV podcast put on to you by the fine folks of AV Nation. My name is Tom Albright. I'm your host. I am a technology manager for a small community college outside of the, of the fine city of St. Louis, who will currently be in the process, by the time you listen, listen to this, of sweeping the horrid Boston Red Sox out of the World Series. Someone who disagrees with me is someone who's close enough to Boston to, for it to count, Mr. Scott Tyner from Bates College. How are you, sir?
2: I'm doing well, and um, you know history does sometimes repeat itself.
0: Not the and Boston I be- Red Sox. They don't.
2: And I believe that the last time we played the Cardinals, Twice they were swept. Lifetime? And they, so we're looking at swept. the first team to repeat in the two 2000- thousand to th- to threepeat in the two thousands. Thank you very much. I,
0: I will say this, I, I I've I've had a couple of really good friends who are who are Red Sox fans. Uh, we were your curse breaker, and that's all you're getting out of us. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, other, 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 other people who are on here with us is Greg Brown. He's from UCLA. How are you, sir? Uh,
3: still mourning my Dodgers.
0: I'm sorry. Do, do they play baseball on the West Coast? <laughs>
3: all
0: right. Uh, not very well. Last yes. but not yes. least, <laughs> yes. If,
3: if you discount us showing up for the third inning and leaving in the eighth, yes, there is baseball. There in is the baseball
0: west coast. on the west coast, of course. Um, and last but not least, Matt Silverman. He is with G- George Mason University. How are you, sir? Doing
1: well, doing well, and well. I've been mourning my Mets for many, many years. Many so. years, yes. <laughs> oh, you know what they had a, a shot. You, you
0: know what? I, one person I'm glad about. Not that this is a sports broadcast. Uh, is <laughs> uh, is um. um Oh, his name went out of my head. Starts with a B. Played with the Mets for a number of years. Uh, Bertrand. Um, uh, he's, he has a shot, at least, at getting a, a, a ring. I'm not going to comment on how good of a shot he does. But at least he's on one of the two teams for the first time in his career. So, uh, You know, Carlos. we'd
3: probably do a sports show as well as we do an A.V. show.
0: Uh, let's hope we would do it better. Uh, <laughs> actually, a couple of guys have threatened to do a sports A.V. show Uh both matt scott george tucker myself some other guys who are heavy into sports um uh, uh that look at the av side of it so it's just something that never has kind of i don't know i uh,
1: I think with some of those guys you could pull two random words out of a hat and they could do a uh, podcast on it
0: yes yes you could <laughs> then now that's all i'm gonna say about that uh, the first story is the biggest story, at least the last couple of weeks. And that's the first, that's the fact that Mitsubishi is getting out of the projector business uh, not only the projector business, but also the flat panel business. Uh, they're going to have some display manufacturing done, but they are not slowly, but surely that was like all of a sudden, here you go, guys. Uh, according to the guy that runs uh, Mitsubishi Projectors, he, he said it was not an easy decision. It was not something made overnight. Uh, it was a long, hard process. It was a long, hard decision. But the fact the matter is is that they aren't able to get uh, the yield out of their factories, and they, to, they don't have the market share to make uh, what appears to be a very small, <laughs> slim margin work for them. Uh, Matt, Mr. Silverman, we'll start this off with you. How big of a deal is it that Mitsubishi is getting out of the, of the display business?
1: Um, I've never used their product. So I couldn't say I think what this says to me is if anyone thought displays projectors weren't commoditized, this truly, you know, says that it's, you know, it's really a sign that I'm not sure how much particularly in the mainstream market, there's distinction between uh, vendors anymore with a lot of product.
0: Well, and isn't also is this the same as with speakers? Because I've I've been told more than once by people smarter than me that there are really three or four speaker manufacturers in the, in the world, and everybody's is, is just a
1: derivative of that. Uh, is it the same I, thing with projectors? I, I think in a lot of ways. I mean, I won't say that you know everyone's getting OEMed at the same place or anything like that yet. But in, in a way that. Outside of specialty applications, I'd say anything mainstream, what we do in a classroom, you know, outside of your, your showcase rooms, I'm not sure really how much brand distinction there is anymore and what you're going to see. And, you know, when you look at it, I think a lot of shopping now is done on specifications, which, at least for me, as long as I've been in the business, I've been doing speaker purchasing based on specification. Um, so i don't really have those applications where i i need something super and i think this is just kind of the end game you know one thing i've heard a lot about Mitsubishi is you know they had a multi-format monitor uh crt monitor which i think everyone used and that was their real uh distinguishing product in the market now that was before my time in the industry when that thing was uh really around so i guess that that kind of gives you where my perspective is that i i'm just not i I understand why they did it uh because they just really didn't seem to have as much market share anymore yeah uh scott when it comes to Mitch and and
0: being another player in this market how big of a deal is it that they're getting uh they're getting out of this game
2: i don't think it's a big deal at, at all um you know not that any any of us singular singularly are um the the greatest representation of of you know AV tech managers or institutions, but I've never used Mitsubishi. I've never thought about using Mitsubishi, but that's you know as as Matt said, that's that's not even a uh, a hit on Mitsubishi. It's um, the projectors are just uh, you probably use a projector simply because um, it's the one you bought one day and just kept on buying it, or your predecessor used it. I think the interesting thing about this market is when you look at it and say some of what we've talked about in the past what if you were tied into Mitsubishi what if everything you had was Mitsubishi what if that's what all your programming was mm-hmm. um, now, what do you do now you need to start coming up with a plan um, as to how you're going to swap these out and how you're going to support whatever you choose which also to me leads to you know if I was a sales guy or, or a, a regional rep for one of these other projector markets now's the time to start hitting some of these guys up and make some pretty good deals to be the replacement
0: yeah uh, Mr. Brown, do you use Mr B C? Have you used Mr. B C?
3: I we we're a we're a small user. I have five of them. Okay. And um although I know somebody in that position, a good friend of mine who's a tech manager at a at a eh, Southern California area college, I will leave it at that because when I mentioned that he has uh, Mitsubishi's in every room to the tune of about 400 of them. Holy cow! Oh yeah, he was um, he he was the one who um, initially he, he was the first I heard about it because he sort of emailed me in a little bit of a whoa. Do you know anything about this? I have all Mitsubishi's, and uh, that's that's when I started pinging on you guys to see if you guys knew anything. And um, yeah, he's he's a little kind of beside himself, and um, obviously I don't want to mention what school because, you know, every sales rep in the West Coast is going to be calling on him, but he um, he very quickly, I yeah, was asking for some recommendations, and I told him what we tend to use in our experience with it, and he's um, he's he's starting to quote some other brands as, as replacements, so there are plenty of people to step up. I mean, Mitsubishi tended to be, a, you know, a little bit more on the on the smaller end of things the smaller projectors which yeah it, that's just so freaking commodity now these days yeah I, I don't know who really isn't buying them on on spec to a large extent you know it's it becomes such a battle here you know dealing with our purchasing department because they'll you know find something else with the same lumens and the same resolution and well why can't you buy this it's $37 dollars cheaper. And you know we got to go through the whole thing about control systems and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Well, to so. Scott's point though, I mean, what
0: about the whole idea of refreshing all of your projectors? I mean, is it just, you know, what it's a life cycle thing? And as as it, your life cycle, whatever your your life cycle um, processes are, whether it's five years or seven years or ten years, once that process gets to it, you're just are we just going to replace the the existing ones? Those of us who have them, I, I've got like three uh on campus here and so my my attitude was when i i tried them out one year and and it wasn't a bad experience uh i'm more of a of a a um a three lcd guy than a dlp guy so that's just my own personal preference uh and i use them as huh ditto Uh, and i was i was using them as my my test case for for using d uh dlp uh and so my thing is is i'm pretty much going to just switch them out once it comes to the time and honestly i'll go with what i've been going with for the for five or seven years now. Um, is that the case, or should we really be actively looking to replace these because uh, of, of support and, and and lamp replacement and stuff like that?
3: I, I think you're okay if you've got them. I mean, Mitsubishi is... They're not going out of business. They're, they're not going anywhere. I would... Tend to put my money on, you know, they're gonna they're gonna man up and they are going to support these for however many years. They're gonna support. They're supposed to support them. And lamps are gonna be available and parts are gonna available be available. Not not that many of us spend an inordinate amount of time repairing video projectors these days, but I, I don't think you're in a bad situation. Just a really annoying situation of. Yes, everything you've done up to this point has to change. And well, you're gonna yeah. have to, you know, pick out different a different brand and start transitioning to that as as the time comes. But um, I don't think parts of lamps are gonna be an issue with yeah. a company from Mitsubishi. And and to their credit, you know, I've only got five. I never had any problems with it with them Mm-mm. whatsoever. And this this friend of mine who's who's got over four hundred says they've been essentially perfect, has never had any issues with them. So I'm I'm sad to see him go because because they clearly are, you know, a lot, a lot better company than some of the. The one is probably a little bit of a strong <laughs> but, word, but uh, you know, I, some of the people we've got playing in this market.
2: But. I think you know, like you said, Greg, your, your hair is not on fire right now because of this, um, but at the same time, it's you know, two or three years down the road, you, you need to put a plan in place. You need to be mm-hmm. ready yep. so that when that projector dies in three years and you've used up all your spares, now you've got to do some programming. Maybe you got to do some. Um, you know, changes to the RS-232 or the IP control. So it's, it's like, okay, now I, I need to pay attention to this, whereas before I've been kind of uh, just an autopilot with the way the projectors work. And it is, it's an interesting thing about the market that it, Mitsubishi makes this great projector better than, like you said, um, other brands, and yet it's not making them money. I think that's enough that they're going to close that line out. Um, says something about that, that market.
3: and and also look at you know quite quite a lot of what's been going on the last few years with the better companies i dare say is we've seen things where lenses are uh l- lenses fit across a larger group of the family or an, or an older group of the family you you can reuse lenses we have um some some projectors we're rolling out now where they they have a newer lamp and a longer life lamp but the lamp also retroactively works in the older model and and some of the the better companies have been doing stuff like that and if you've been using that in the case of Mitsubishi you're you know you're basically screwed then you know mm-hmm. you, you don't have the advantage of taking uh, taking advantage of those aspects
0: well and when it comes to to getting the programming up and running what you can do is you can go to the newly improved and uh, brand new out of the box Crestron application market
1: Yay!
0: <laughs> uh, have you guys played with this yet?
3: I have not. I,
1: a, a little. Um, it, I mean, I was able to download a module from it. Uh, that's about as far as I went.
0: Scott, have you have you downloaded or uploaded any of your own modules?
2: I have not, no. Um, but I, I've looked at it, and I, I'm... Um, it's, it's 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 very interesting. Yeah. It's one of these things I don't I don't know what to say because I'm not long pause. I, I um. Well, he, there's he, there's a future here and there, and it's just it's it's so um. Forward looking that I, I just I'm not sure yet what to make of it.
0: Really, you think it's I see and I I see it more of a as a as a catch up to, um things like Android Marketplace and and the App Store the the iTunes App Store because. Here's the thing. First of all, you don't need a login and password, which is very interesting to me, um, to get these these modules. Now, yes, you still have to get you still have to get the programming software from somebody, right? Uh, you still have to get System Builder. You still have to get um, Simple Windows or, or, or Simple Plus to program a system. So I don't know why then you don't need a login for for this, because basically this this replaces. If you guys are familiar with Crestron, this replaces their integrated uh, mo- module uh, download place uh, on on the website. Uh, matter of fact, when you go to the restaurant website and you click on that area, this is what it takes you to is the is the application market.
2: Oh, I didn't realize they had completely switched that over. Yes, yeah. yeah. So here here's what I was thinking. You know, obviously, I mean, it, it's not forward thinking in the fact of buying these modules, but it's um, about a year ago I, I did a, a talk with Infocom and and one of the people there. Um, who's well-known in the industry, and I'm not going to not say his name because um, for any reason other than I, I might slightly misquote him, and I, I don't want to do that. But he was saying, you know, the future of AV is in programming and is in um, software. It, it, it's not um, it's not hardware and it's not integration. And, you know, to see this happen here where, you know, you've got these um, people selling this thing and making money off of it, I think it's just this part of this whole uh, change that is um, – that I'm still working through in my own mind.
1: Okay. Uh, Well, and I think one of the things you said, you know, Scott, you thought it was forward-looking. Tim, you thought they were lagging behind. I think that really depends on your reference point because if you look at it from the AV industry, this is very forward-looking. Yes. If you look at it from the IT perspective, this is catch-up. And I I think there's a lot of potential here. Um, I'm scrolling it really quickly right now. I'm not even sure. I think I'm seeing like one or two apps that are actually uploaded for sale by a third party, and those look to be themes. So it it definitely puts a place, particularly for some of these companies who have been, I'd say, almost niche companies that do graphics or, uh, you know, do – uh, modules on demand. They now have a better place to let customers know. And those customers may be us. They may be other programmers that they have modules available. And I think that that's really good because I I know we've occasionally looked for if someone had something out there. Um, so,
2: I'm really curious to know. And I don't know if if you guys have an answer to this. So. um you know, this this has been such a debate for so long about who owns programming, and you know, one of the issues with programming is if I give it to you, you steal modules and reuse it. So I decide um, I, I've got a module that I wrote for, um, even if it's for Crestron, I wrote this cool module for the Capture HD system. If I put it up there, does Crestron now, or will Crestron ever have a way of saying this this can be used once?
0: Hmm, that's a good question. So you, you can only can you only put it? Will will they have a way of saying this is a one use module?
2: Right, because otherwise you know that, that makes me decide if I'm going to sell it for uh, ninety nine cents or nine hundred and ninety nine dollars. You know if I'm going to sell it to uh, you know George Mason or, or UCLA who's going to put it in four hundred classrooms for nine ninety nine, or I'm going to sell it to somebody who's going to put it in you know five classrooms for nine ninety nine. There's it doesn't make sense there.
1: and i am not i'm not sure i'm taking a quick scan on their uploading stuff and they really don't say much except that they take 30 percent off the top for administration um wow but that that's actually pretty much standard with apps markets
0: yeah Yeah. actually i think Uh, uh, apple takes
1: more than that
2: so yeah but it's
0: apple so um administration well, you know, they have to post it and put the pretty pictures on. It. And actually I think there's only one actual paid app and it's a it, like like Matt said it's a it's a theme uh from Riviera. It's a neat theme, but I mean everything else here, uh we were talking to um one of the guys on that does our control show, uh Steve Greenblatt. And he actually has a couple of of modules on here kind of back doorways because uh he's been contracted by a couple of manufacturers to help them with their authorized integrated module. Um, and it's a, it's a situation, he didn't tell me who it was, but it was a situation where um, a lot of these companies, a lot of these manufacturers will go, will go in partnership with Crestron, and then they'll have a module that, that they authorize and they talk to their products relatively seamlessly, um, and the graphics are all what they want them to be. Apparently, they, they'll hire third-party people, third-party uh, uh, programmers to help them with those. And, and apparently, Steve and, and Control Concepts has helped a few of these. Uh, now, those are the free ones, but Steve obviously got paid by the, the original manufacturer to do those. So
1: I'll, I'll say the big win overall is that you actually have a search box to find <coughs> modules now. Yes. Which didn't exist before.
3: That's nice. I, I think all this is, um, like, like one of the other changes Crestron made couple months ago or additions that they made i forget what the what that addition to their site was that we were talking about but i i think i think all of these companies you know crestron with these things and um amx with uh, the 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 wizard we've all been playing around with rpm i i think they have all realized that they lose a tremendous amount of market share to the 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 perceived bugaboo that is programming you know justifiably or not i mean I have uh, through through this change we've done where we you know made this transition from button panels to, to program touch panels it's amazing all the people I've run into who oh no we can't do that because we won't deal with the program we, we can't do the programming in-house and you know programmers ooh bad can't do that <laughs> um, you know it's there there are I and and, and yes some program plenty of programmers have some done some pretty you know nasty illegitimate things and you know people get stuck without their source code and stuff like that but there there is just this hugely contrived fear i think of dealing with the programming that i think you know your crestrons and your amxs are are realizing you know, we need to start taking some 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 chunks out of this and making this more accessible. I think that well, that's, you know, largely what this is an effort, another effort towards. Yeah,
0: and there's probably some some something to said, said for that, because, you know, Crestron has got to embrace the consumer a, a little bit more than maybe yeah. they have uh, in the past. And I uh, part of me that my, my first initial reaction to that was that's what they're doing here, right? They're, they're being a little bit more forward facing. They're, they're getting out from behind their dealers a little bit from a little bit out from behind their, their programmers. And they're touching the, the customer you know head on. Uh, this is kind of an extension of their experience centers, <laughs> both in LA and New York and others, other places, where they're reaching out to the end user, the actual end to end, end user. Uh, and saying, you know, here we are, we're Crestron, this is how you get a hold of us. But they're reaching out and they're not relying as much on the dealers and the integrators uh, as they maybe maybe have been in the past. And I think that's maybe part of
3: this as well. So. Right. Oh, we've we've cool. seen that with the, with we, we've seen all that specifically through their their A-plus folks and the way they've reached out now to, to higher ed for, yeah. for a number of years. So, so hands-on. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah. I was
2: just say that you know that it makes it makes the users ask for Crestron, as opposed to, you know, I saying I want automation in my house. It makes that end user have seen some of this stuff maybe and say I want the Crestron stuff.
0: I want the Crestron. Give me the Crestron. <laughs> I um, want the Crestron. Something that that I started and it was an, it's probably been the most uh, interesting conversation I've had on LinkedIn. Is is from time to time we'll, we'll promote some of our other other shows. Uh, that we do um, through starting conversations on LinkedIn and, and Facebook and things of that nature. One was about the the Sharp 32 inch uh, IGZO monitor that has uh, touch uh, capability, or at least you know uh, feedback. You can you can use a t- uh, a pen and, and um, uh, interact with it and stuff. And so I, I just started the conversation. I said, When will uh, Crestron, AMX, and the other manufacturers stop making touch panels, uh, especially? When you have things like the new Sharp 32-inch, you've got iPads that are uh, regular size you can get for 500 bucks. Uh, the minis, obviously, are smaller than that. You've got Android apps. You've got I- iPhones and this, that, and the other. And um, it wasn't quite a religious war, but, but oh, my goodness. Um, everything from consultants, which God love consultants, uh, who expect a, a, a very high degree of, of reliability and, and design and, and support to integrators who go, look, you know what I can buy, a uh, I, I can buy, you know, seven iPads for the cost of a, you know, of a Madero or a six X or whatever. Uh, those are AMX and, and Crestron touch panels respectively. And, you know, support them, you know, over the life cycle si- you know, over, over the entire life cycle of it. So uh, I'll ask you guys this, and, and if you would like to, to not join in the fray, that's fine as well. But, but Greg, we'll, I'll start with you. Will there become a time, or, or, or when will the time come when um, the control companies at least stop making them primarily? Uh, I don't think there ever will come a time when they stop making them all out, but where they're relying more and more on the consumer uh, interfaces than, and, and, you, and focusing more on the back end
3: um i'm what about 15 years away from retiring i oh, think nice. um I uh, you know i it will i think it'll be like the the logarithmic scale i think they will get closer and closer and we will see uh more applications to do that i mean most most the the uh, most of the control you know, c- controlling things with your iPad right now, at least as far as our, our big three companies, are, are really kind of turkeys as far as apps go or, or you know, usefulness.
0: Um, well, they're only turkeys I, as far as the, as the programmer goes. I mean, because I mean, like, you know, there are people who can make beautiful interfaces for the iPad. I mean, it all in, comes down to how you do it.
3: Well, you just can't, you know, put it on the same subnet as your control system. Or if you do, you have all sorts of other okay. drama going yes. on. You know, there's there's hoops like that that we're we're not jumping through yet, and so th- those will get fixed, and, and and we'll see more of them. I think we're still it, it we're we're still a few years away before you know they they're seriously threatened. I think I, I don't see them changing anything too too significantly or or bailing out of you know corners of their market. Uh, you know, size-wise, in the in the next couple of years. So I don't know. Tell me, I'm wrong, guys. Matt, is uh, he wrong? wrong? Or Scott, is he wrong?
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, well, I, first of all, I, 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 just, I, have to cla- I just
2: had to clarify. Uh, Greg, is that a is that a California thing that you can't retire to your eighty? Oh <laughs> wow. wow! I mean, I know you, I know the budget's bad over there, but it doesn't make much sense. No, I don't. I don't completely dis- disagree with Greg. I think. Um, but there's a part of me that says, um, Crestron is a very interesting company to watch because I think that, um, like Apple, they evolve and, and to some degree don't just see the future, but create it. And, uh, when they first started doing the, um, uh, you know, their, um, apps for the, for the, for the droid or for the iPad for touch panels. I, I mean, I thought the same thing. I think, my God, they're putting themselves out of business. And yet I think that they're smart enough to go, but somebody else is going to put us out of business with that same thing if we don't do it. So how do we make money on it? How do we transition? Is there sure. You know, if you look at a, Uh, you know, some of these commercial homes or even uh, institutions like ours, it's going to be a long time before um, we have just iPads floating around in our classrooms or that, you know, iPads are installed in the walls of every, of these executive homes. Um, But I think that, that you, you have to kind of try and see what Crestron's seeing when they allow things like that to happen. And I think that they, that they know that there is, um, an end to this, to a market somewhere along the way of an $8,000 by the time you're done with a V15 and DG2, an $8,000 touch panel. Um, so I, I think that there's um, an end to its dominance. I don't know if there's an end to uh, the, the product altogether.
1: So I'm going to take a little bit more of a middle of the road approach here. And I, I think there's a place for both. Um, one of the things which I have to say, and what I got more out of the, uh, what is it, the IPZO or whatever panel, Mm -hmm. the the big one, that I got more out of that is it tells me how dominant touch is going to be in our future from a user interacting with content. So I I think we're going to see that blow up. I've been talking about this at George Mason that I've been trying to help my administration (laughs) understand that we need a strategy for touch at every desktop in the next year. That we're just seeing between Windows 8, between any Apple device, so so many touch-based applications out there that we need a strategy that we're gonna get touch to every desktop monitor. And once you have touch on your monitor, you have some interesting options. You know, and I'm not saying it necessarily replaces your touchpads, but you could have either executable apps Or I'm actually thinking back to a Crestron product that was actually introduced about three or four years ago. I'm not sure if any of you guys uh, heard of it, which is the Mm DVPHD-GB. The touch interface for that? The touch interface, I believe, if I remember the history, it was actually first developed by a consultant, uh, the Waveguide guys out of Atlanta for one of the Georgia universities. And then uh, I believe Crestron acquired the IP there. But... I think it was a way forward-looking idea that just – it, it had a price point issue, but it also I think was almost too forward-looking for its time. But it was a place where you married um, a touch panel with your content with some value-added function. So you got kind of the best of all worlds. And I think some of that is coming down on the pipe. I also kind of look at touch panels, and I I really do believe there will always be a place for a purpose-built touch panel. It just may not be at the super high price point, because it allows you to create a self-contained audio-visual system, which is not dependent on a third-party device, whether that's a PC or even your network infrastructure working. Uh, I look at our perspective. We used to do 15-inch panels and we've now, our standard panel is now a 4.3 inch panel, but we wouldn't give it up for anything. And we're actually starting to think through designs, we have electric capture concept we've been playing with, where we're actually thinking about using a second panel where we keep our standard 4.3 inch you know, switching interface and add something like a nine inch panel in to stream uh, the video content to and allow them to handle all the electric capture setup features. So I I can see this going in both directions, but I I do think we will see a lot more um, control and touch coming to monitors probably more so than we will actually see it on iDevices because I just haven't seen any sort of enterprise scalable iDevice or Android device infrastructure being offered by any control manufacturer yet. Most of them are really focused on the residential market.
0: Okay, so let's let's bring in another story that we have here because it, it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with this. And that's, if you haven't seen this yet, Fox News and their newsroom has these giant, <laughs> oh, let's just say it, big-ass tablets. Uh, they're actually called Big Area Touchscreen or quote-unquote bats. Um, yeah. Here's the thing. The, the stuff like this, and, and they yes, they're ungodly large, and they're... Somewhat silly, fifty-five inch, fifty-five inch, but they're somewhat silly. But uh, but you're also you're these are in in somebody's actual workspace, and this is the new norm, not a giant, you know, um, almost, you know, hilariously large touch screen but these you know these are what kind of we've gotten to um in the us where you, we do expect touch interface and we do expect if, it if
3: you have not seen them think think of like sitting at a drafting table yeah. with a the table tilted up there at a forty five degree angle or something like that except instead of a table it's a fifty five inch touchscreen yeah. So I mean, is that yeah. kind of
0: where we're at? Where not just I mean, this is kind of the, the evolution when it comes to newsrooms of you know uh, CNN's news wall and the three and, and the quote unquote 3D thing they did a few years ago. Um, but you know, Fox News has all of these giant tablets now because <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, did, I have to laugh because that's exactly what they look. <laughs> they look like blown up iPads, and it's yeah. It's, yeah. Really, it's just ridiculous. It really yeah. is.
3: Honey, I shrunk the news team.
2: It, you know, so, Tim, to me, um, I, I think it's very clear that that newsroom, that's a gimmick um, to make it look really high tech. Um, I, I, I think the touch is, is, is a way to go. I think it's, um, I think we, I've said this before on the show, I think the problem right now is that um, the user experience needs to completely change. There needs to be a reason to touch that screen. And even my, my kids, you know I've brought home a a, a, a Dell interactive touchscreen before, and my kids who you know, are going to be the early adopters, right you know the, you've seen the baby who tries to you know touch the magazine like it's mm-hmm. an iPad. Um, they will grab a mouse and keyboard for a Windows interface because that's what it's designed for. It's not designed to touch it. And so until we really have designs that are made to be touched and manipulated um this is just a gimmick i mean this this dude over here just keeps shrinking and enlarging the same thing over and over again it's like that's you know impressive dude
3: okay i i saw it um i i saw what they were trying to do i recorded it for a few days and um it, it, they they were dealing with some sort of political topic and um uh, you know, somebody made some sort of statement, and as soon as they were done with that statement, they had on these screens they had, you know, the the tweets from the other. It had to do with the government shutdown, and they had the the tweets from, you know, all the you know a bunch of people on the left and tweets from a bunch of people on the right, which, you know, they all have their social media folks who are generating these things in real time, and they they had all of these things queued up, and they were able to they they were basically bouncing between. All of the social media, in a way, and, and I'm not saying it necessarily worked great, but I saw what they were trying to do, bouncing between the the tweets and the press releases and the things that were going on in real time, and trying to to give much more of a bring more of these alternative sources in in real time and juggle them and show them. Uh, to the listener in a or the watcher in a in a different way, and it was you okay. Need oversized I see what...
2: iPad to do that.
3: No, um, it helps. <laughs> it, you know, a, a lot of you know a lot of TV news is because visual.
2: But the problem is that TV news hasn't even doesn't even understand how to do what you're saying that they're trying to do. They don't even know how to do that. They don't know how to, how to integrate social media into regular news. And, and then they go get a gigantic yeah. iPad because somehow that's the only way to do it.
1: it can, this, can, can we come to the consensus that – They were, they it, were it's trying. They were trying. It's a gimmick. I mean I, I, you know it, it kills me because I, I, I actually really believe that touch is where we need to go. But I really do think that Fox show was very much you – know, it, it's a PR gimmick.
0: Okay. But uh-huh. hang on
1: for a second though. Yeah. I, I, I will agree with you yeah however
0: where do they get gimmicks from and and where do they pull them from and, and what makes them effective gimmicks is the fact that they come from some connections that we already have mm-hmm. when it comes to our use cases of, of technology that's where they come from
1: oh and and, so, and, and yeah, sorry go again. ahead, go ahead. Uh, and, and i think that they I, I think if they had built i don't know a custom studio app i mean there's a couple of things i look at and i say from a design perspective, what are they trying to achieve other than gimmickry? You know, think about it. 1080p at like a foot away from the display <laughs> it, it, it is not useful. You know, for, mm. if I've ever seen a use case for a 4K display, it's right there. Um, you know, so that, that's where I say, gee, this is kind of a gimmick. I mean, if they had built a purpose, you know, a purpose-built interface to do this on, where they, it could actually improve their workflow. Okay, maybe. I, I just see this being PR. That being said, it did actually make me think about, you know, a classroom application for this. And I do think this is one of the reasons I'm so bullish on touch. I could see our faculty members with a better size display, and it may be a local touch on their lectern rather than a big old board uh, in front of them that they could really use it effectively to, you know, work with content. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that came to mind, I'm not sure, I think we've mentioned on the show before, but uh, Bill Gates on an Ask Me Anything on Reddit, um, probably about a year back now, said his daily monitor is an 82-inch perceptive pixel uh, touchscreen. He doesn't use a keyboard and a mouse anymore. But that's also someone who understands how to make a workflow.
3: Yeah. Yeah, what my- my comment on I forget where I made this might have been LinkedIn was, you know I can see a lot of our professors seeing you know people sitting in front of these monitors like that and deciding, my God, that is the the thing that is going to revolutionize my class. I must have one of those in my classroom controlling everything. Thank goodness, you know, all college higher ed instructors would not be caught dead watching Fox Fox news. Otherwise <laughs> oh, they geez. might get some sort of an idea.
1: Uh, I don't know what George Mason. That's, that's can be a Brownie point. <laughs> all right. I'm, yeah. Except that's George
3: Mason. <laughs> <clears> that's yes, George
0: Mason. That, that is not the, the, uh, forward thinking area of Southern California, uh, higher education. So, uh, you seen, no, go, Most of
3: the, the people out here won't fly on a plane unless it's got two left wings.
0: Wow, punctuation! He'll he'll be here all <laughs> week. Uh, you're listening to EdTech. That comedian right there is is uh, is Greg Brown from UCLA. Matthew Silverman is here from George Mason, and Scott Tyner from Bates College. Moving on to you know um, touch and, and everything like that. We have a new head of Smart. Uh, question is. Uh, can Neil Gaiden actually do something with this very f- forward thinking company, but somebody who has kind of um, hit a couple of missteps along the way? Uh, Scott, we'll start with you. Um, is, is Smart on better footing now that we've got a new CEO, or, or are they just. No,
2: they're getting, not. Okay, they, are they getting smarter? <laughs> no. Are they getting smarter? I think they're that, very nice. You know, the, the issue with, with Smart is that. Um, they were very forward thinking, you know, years ago when, when interactivity was, was new, uh, they did a, a great job of selling it to the, um, to the K through 12 market. I think again, though, what they, what they never really did well is be able to read the future and prepare themselves for the future. Uh, and so I don't know, I, I don't, I guess that I would think of with, all we've just talked about that, that's out there for touch and out, out there for interactivity now, what is, what is smart offer um, that is, that, that's got value to it?
0: Well, they have smart boards.
2: Oh, wait. no. That, well, you know what they do have? <laughs> let, let me tell you what they have because I, I thought this was fantastic, um, and I want, to, um, I want to go get one of these things right now. They have the smart room which uh, let me see here, the smart room, which runs on a button and um, it, you just walk into a room and, and you're connected magically somehow um, to web conferencing with people just by Mm -hmm. walking into a room. And it's just like, you know, I, first of all, we know that that's not true no matter what the product is. (laughs) Um, And so I just, I don't, you know, so they've got the smart board, but and maybe part of this is, and I know we've talked about this before, and I know Matthew and I have talked about it, that the, the software is designed for K-12. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's mm-hmm. really hard for us to sell that software in a, in a higher ed environment. Um, so maybe I'm just out of it enough now, um, not in the K-12 market, to, to see any value in that. And if there's not value in the software, there's certainly no value in the hardware because we can buy interactive things for, for less money.
0: Well, and that's kind of where I was going with that because we've been talking about interactive touch panels and this, that, and the other. Uh, More than one person has has said this about smart in the last year and a half to two years. They should get out of the hardware business, take their software, which is incredibly forward-thinking, and license it to people who do want to make, make hardware and make it integrated. Integrate it into touch panels, integrate it in, into, integrated into they're, displays, they're, into projectors, they're, stuff like they're, that.
1: They're doing that right now. They okay. just uh, struck a licensing deal with Epson. Oh, wow. Um, but I, I don't know if that fixes it because they need to fix their software first. Um, they've never retired a feature, which is mm. if you have to install it from an IT perspective, it is the most painful application To install and upgrade and maintain, it's just it it doesn't scale well. Um, And I'll tell you on their on their you know as much as we talked about their interactivity, you know their monitors aren't touch. Their monitors are still Uh pen based, Hmm. and we're actually starting to evaluate some alternatives potentially as early as the summer that we're transitioning from smart uh, podiums. The only product which I think they actually have market leadership in right now is their interactive whiteboards, and when I say that, I mean the actual whiteboard, not the projector. Yeah. You know, bring your own projector, but if you need to project at ninety-six inches, which is still a little hard to do cost-effectively on a uh, monitor, you know, that's that's the space that I I, I see us still staying in but the rest of our smart product, you know, i i don't know. I mean, and you know, they just seem to be trying anything and everything, which to me, i, I don't know, they they've almost smacked of desperation for the past year or so.
0: Greg, where are you when it comes to the smart technology? Do you even do
3: you care? Is it just passé whatever? Uh, we don't really use much of it at all. Um and yeah, we've yeah, they they we we've looked at some of their stuff. We didn't really f- feel it it worked well in higher ed, but you know, if they've had one saving grace um in this market it's that most of their competition has been worse. Um oh, you know, so, some of these interactive boards that um You know, some of these other companies have come up with, uh, you know, most of your a number of your the monitor companies have have taken a stab at some sort of interactive monitor of some sort, which I think is still a a viable app if somebody were to do it right. Um, Most of what was out there was just, you know, really really frighteningly bad. And so we have one company that's that's losing the recipe and a bunch of other companies that can't figure out the recipes it's It's kind of you know the blind leading the the blind um, so i I wouldn't be surprised to see smart bought up by one of these monitor companies in the next year or so i I just don't see them lasting long term. I just don't think they they're 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 too small of a, of a company. With too little of a direction, I think, to survive.
2: Well, they didn't change rapidly enough, and so they're essentially yeah. obsolete yeah. now. And so, where, where, you know, I, I think that marketing of their software um, and, and allowing it to be um, put into devices, licensing it, that that's a good move. I completely yes. agree with yes. Matthew, though, that um, their software just bites. And uh, it's slow. They've got floating tablets on the screen that you can't get rid of no matter how hard you try. Yeah. We, honestly, we've gotten more calls about that. Can you please come get this thing off my screen Then we have about how do I use this device? Um, now, what, what could Smart do? What, well, some of the things we've already talked about. What if Smart was to get into um, the app market? Because that's a lot of what they used to have This this very – they have this – Load a loaded piece of software. That really could be broken down into a bunch of little apps: some math apps, some geography apps, some you know graphing apps, and and those can integrate with anybody's interactive screens. So now we've got the interactivity, and we've got a piece of software that is designed to be used interactively.
3: Hmm. Great! Now idea. you're competing against you know half the Compsai majors and higher ed across the country.
2: Well, yeah, they're not going to be the company they used to be. <laughs> no, no question about <laughs> yeah, that. I was like,
3: every, every, everybody's coming with, up with an app for everything. I just uh, I don't know. Oh. I just I just don't see where they they have an avenue there on that one. But go ahead. You know,
1: it, it's funny, and you mentioned this uh, earlier in the show, and we talked about it a lot. It's something I think. We're having a hard time coming to terms in, in the audiovisual business that the future of our industry isn't hardware; it's software.
0: Yeah.
1: It's control yeah. programming. Mm-hmm. It's apps that do things, and then it's the delivery for that software. And I, I, it's something I've I've seen, and we've talked about it a lot internally here at the university. That I think a lot of our industry is just having a real, real hard time coming to grips with that it's the money isn't going to be in the hardware long term it's going to be on either infrastructure or software
0: and that's right. that's valid absolutely because yeah the the farther yeah. the, the, the more we go along i mean yes there's going to be people who still make make hardware i mean people still make you know it switches but the actual where everything is is controlled is going to be in that virtual space that none of us really have a handle on. Um, It's going to be the ones and zeros that control everything and make everything, uh, make the world go round. So, uh, all right, guys, real quickly, uh, one more story and we'll get out of here Uh, from uh, actually from CE uh, pro uh, from CEDIA this year. Um, Vanco boost adapter converts old HDMI cables to HD base T. Uh, When I saw this first, I was like, huh, that's, weird (laughs) so uh i I looked into more of it a little bit here's where where i kind of come down on this first of all it it is a neat thing it's a converter that that takes your existing hdmi and and converts it to to hd-based t i'm still quite not sure um where we're where they were going with this but what i brought me to is i'm wondering if maybe somebody's working on a copper version of this, and, and taking your existing VGA cables and converting those into HD-based T. That I would be in line to, to purchase. Uh, Greg, we'll start with you. Is this is this a good thing? Is this a useful product to
3: have? Uh, I saw this, and this was the. Uh, let let me file this away somewhere because it's just crazy enough that someday I may run across that one project where th- this makes everything come together and makes it actually work I it's it it's it's pretty crazy but if it works the way they say it does um, you know it's a it's a niche but if you find if you stumble across that niche it would be a useful thing to have yes but I could just pull cable, too. So,
2: Well, you know, the the, the title that says, All That Legacy HDMI Cable Behind the Walls. That's it. I don't it. have any HDMI cables <laughs> behind my walls.
0: I don't have any legacy HDMI <laughs> cable, no. It's
2: brand new stuff. <laughs> right, and, and certainly it's not behind my walls. I mean, everything for the past six years behind my walls has been uh, Cat 5 or Cat 6. Uh, you know, But I think what, what Greg said is right, which is, you know, there's going to come a day where I'm going to go, oh, Jesus, I've got to change HDMI over to HD-based T, and it's and, and so it's good to know a product that exists out there, um, but they're certainly not going to get an order for forty of these for me tomorrow.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, I, I got to say I'm confused, and maybe I'm missing something. <laughs> but but how does this differ from any other HD-based T transmitter?
0: Uh, um, am, am um, I missing something here? Well, yeah, an HD-based TV transmitter actually transmit over twisted pair, and this one transmits over the existing HDMI.
1: Okay. It's, yeah. it's like the reverse. Yes, it's, the it's, it's a reverse. Okay, right. then then I'm really confused. <laughs> I,
2: I... <laughs> okay, so then I'm wondering why. <laughs> Thank you. What, why yes.
0: was it? Why? why
3: uh,
0: oh. Yeah, I don't know.
3: Okay. I, I th- I think you also have to look into ter- keep it in terms of you know we we all do our own projects to a certain to to some extent or another and you know you you stumble across that project where you know you've got the existing pro- you've got the existing cables and you would like to do some crazy upgrade. Over winter break, when you've got a mm-hmm. week or something like that, and this would let you pull that off and ignore your cable infrastructure, that's the place for something like this. At least in our world, you know, I would love to. I, I I think this might be. Um, you know, probably more of a well, you know, CEDIA. It's it's a it's yeah, probably it's... more at, at, at residential, ideally. You know, I think.
0: We oh, can't but let's not have... be let's not be foolish. But... We have all used residential products before oh, in one
2: absolutely. So so <laughs> let's say you have a Mitsubishi projector. Oh and geez. In two, and in two years from now, you can't replace it, and the only one you can replace uh... it with is one with HD based T but you've got HDMI run between the projector and the source, bam, you've got your solution.
1: That's your use case right
0: there. Yes. Very well done, okay. Mr. Tyner. On that You're note, welcome. we're going to go <laughs> bye-bye. His name is Scott Tyner. He, uh, he, his, uh, his full-time gig is at Bates College. He also blogs a very, very well, well, well-written blog for rave publications. Thank you, sir. Thank you. How can people find you, get a hold of you?
2: I, mostly on Twitter. You know, I hear you guys talking about LinkedIn today, and I'm like, oh, I'm missing all the stuff on LinkedIn. I got to get on there. But um, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, but just not enough, apparently.
0: Well, yeah, none of us have as many followers as Mr. Brown does. I think he's like a five thousand or something. Um, how many? How many connections do you have on LinkedIn?
2: I think it's five hundred and seventy.
0: Yeah, you just passed yeah, five hundred.
2: I, I tried. You know, I mean, my connections are people I I know, and and you know, just like LinkedIn tells you, don't connect to somebody you don't know. It's dangerous. So I don't.
0: Well, yeah, I, I, I'm connected to my dad and I think somebody else. You know, was a, pretty much a, <laughs> uh, Greg Brown from UCLA. Thank you, sir. How the can most be-
3: dangerous people I'm connected to are clearly you guys. Well, that is true.
0: Um, how can uh, people find you, sir?
3: Uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Infocom All Voices blog. Have you written for them recently? Um, actually, yes. I, I, I did my first of my two Infocom blogs. The second one will be out shortly.
0: In time for Infocom 2014?
3: (laughs) Infocom 2013.
0: Jeez. Last but not least, my buddy Matt Silverman, uh, he is, uh, I affectionately call him my my standards guy because he's incredibly involved in the standards committee at Infocom, but he also works for George Mason University. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And how can people find you, get a hold of you, stalk you? Uh,
1: Yeah, LinkedIn is generally the best place. I, I, I usually respond to stuff there.
0: All right. Very good. Uh, If you'd like to follow me at Twitter or, the, you know what, just go by the website. That's the best place, avnation.tv. Avnation.tv, you'll find this program, the the, the history of it and all that jazz, Uh, our weekly program, AV Week, as well as a number of other monthlies and one in control and social networking and things of that nature. So, yeah, go by the website, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. This has been EdTech. (laughs)